0: Good evening and uh, welcome to the 2018, uh, our first event for the 2018 Cambridge Science Festival. Um, I'm delighted to have uh, Professor Cecilia Mascolo here with us today. Uh, Professor Mascolo is a professor of mobile systems here in Cambridge. She's also a fellow of Jesus College and a fellow of the Alan Turing Institute for Data Sciences in London. Um, her research interests are in human mobility modeling, mobile sensor systems, and networking and spatiotemporal data analysis. I have no idea what that means, and hopefully, Professor Mascolo will enlighten, enlighten us all about it uh, this evening. So please uh, give her a warm welcome. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much for being here, I appreciate it's a Monday evening and uh, I appreciate your time very much. So um, I'll try to make this entertaining, the audience is diverse and uh, I'll have to pitch at different levels, um, so forgive me if something sounds a bit more boring and something sounds a bit more advanced, uh, but uh, at the end we'll have time for some questions and uh, some discussion. So. Um, this talk is really about mainly what devices that we carry already around with us, mainly phones, as you see in this picture, um, are able to do. And some things you already know because you, you use these applications and you use these uh, sort of uh, services already, but some are things that are in development, so we'll discuss them and we'll discuss the challenges and opportunities that uh, arise from from this sort of devices. And I'm not just referring to mobile phones. There are devices that, again, are out there that you wear in other parts of your body, and and, and some that um, we we have used for not just human, but also animal um, tracking. This is a badger, um, and we tracked a number of them in an Oxford forest. The collar contains uh, an RFID tag, a, a, an active RFID tag, so we could monitor their interaction and their behavior. This particular badger is not dead. It's simply sleeping uh, because they're quite fierce animals when you put these things on, they, my, my zoologist colleague um, tell me. So although with technology, we're not able to do the Star Trek teleporting yet, Definitely, we're not there. Um, I would say that some parts of this future vision has arrived, and for those uh, very, how many of you have seen, watched, or known of Star Trek? Um, quite a few. That's good. I was afraid that the new generations would uh, let me down when, <laughs> when I went uh, in this uh, memory lane. Um, so the first one, if you remember, was uh, a a voice uh, translator microphone that we're holding and uh, earpieces that could connect various things and allow you to talk but also could have sensors inside to monitor you uh, tablets everywhere but also this this device here down um, here I, li- I like walking so i'll be around <laughs> it is a trick order and and that was used to to measure the environment around you, scan things around. And and this maybe might be something that you feel we're not quite there. I'll give you an example uh, to show you that we might just be (laughs) um, already there. So this is, uh, if you just take a phone, and um, probably you have one in your pocket, so some of you might have one, a smartphone, in your pockets. It has a a range of sensors. Can you you read it? It's not very important to read the small one, perhaps the big things. So there are uh, some proximity centers. There's a compass on your phone. Um, There is an accelerometer that measures vibration. There is a a gyroscope to measure um, rotation. The microphone, we'll we'll talk about the microphone. The microphone is really there just to monitor your voice, but to to, to get your voice, but um, for calling. But it can be used for other things. Um, There is a camera. There is a light sensor. um, There's a thermometer for the inside part of the phone. So um, my aim in the first part of the talk is to show you, um, I'd say, three big applications uh, where this technology um, can, can, can stretch um, our knowledge and the way in which we understand things. Um, and, and, and these are mainly generally understanding our city functions, um, how they are used, and, how th- and then, of course, how we can improve that. Um, Transforming the way we work inside our buildings and our day-to-day interactions with other people and transforming health. And I'll try to give you some examples of this and then I have a second part where we are discussing the challenges and why for some things, although technology is there, we can still do research and improve the way in which we use it, the way in which we, we let the data go wherever it needs to go. Um, and I'm sure you will have things to say about that too. So let's start with cities. Um, and I, I, you know, if you if you are um, more interested in this, um, I, I, I should say this is also on my webpage, that I, I keep all my papers public, so you can go and browse and look which ones look urban and, and download and perhaps read some of the abstracts if you are more interested. So um, this should be very familiar to you. So you, um, the, Localization um, sensor or sensors that are in your phone allow, y- allow you to be localized quite precisely when you are outdoor and uh, this allows a number of things if you use Google Maps to understand where you're going um, or where you have to go to navigate to a place, uh, that, that's an obvious one. Google also lets you download your own data for the past steps. so, so you um, if you want to see where you've been, uh, there's a way to let Google log this and then and keep this information on your phone so you can see your history. One more advanced service that perhaps not many of you have used, but they're out there. This is just one example, it's one that allows you to tell your friends that you are in the social services, uh, in the social network service that you are in a particular place. So you can say, I'm now in this mid-lecture theater, and your friends will see in this service that you are actually there and perhaps decide to reach you. Data of this kind um, start being able to, when I find my mouse, I can animate this. I found it before. Now It's difficult for me to see where it is. Can you see the mouse? Okay, let's come down, well done, thank you. So this is an animation that shows what data can do. This is New York. The colors are, I haven't started the animation yet. Uh, Maybe I should because then I keep losing my mouse and I don't have it in front of that. Great, now I do. Okay, well, let's let's skip this animation. And um, I'll just tell you that um, with Manhattan here we can um, see that the circles are um, locations and the bigger the circles the higher the number of people that are in this location and um, the colors are different types of locations. So we can use the data to understand the use of space during the day in, in a city. Um, I have managed to start the animation, which is a good thing. So a different time of day, the city <laughs> is used differently, and we have a very fine-grained overview of how this is used statistically. Now, um, as you see during the day, um, there are more activities. Some, some of these places are um, more used. Some are, uh, transport becomes a big thing. Um, at some point at 10 p.m., people start going back, and the, the, the purple one are uh, nightlife and um, uh, gives an animation of how uh, the city is used. Now um, this information is quite temporally precise. This is a specific venue. Uh, on the x-axis you have the time of day and this graph shows the use, the fr- the how many people are in the place on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Now could you guess which kind of place this could be um, given its usage? and how people tend to be there and when. Any guesses? It's not a restaurant, the reason why, restaurant looks quite similar, it's a good guess. Um, Usually, this peak at lunchtime is a bit higher for restaurants, if I show you, in fact, I should show you you restaurant. Um, It's not a transport hub, transport hub tend to have a, a really good peak there, and then it never goes down much after lunchtime. Um, if, if I remember correctly, um, this is a gym. <laughs> some people guessed this in some of uh, the other talks. Um, so, this is how uh, we go to the gym, and that comes out of this kind of data of people telling each other uh, where they are. This data can also be quite useful to understand the growth of cities. This is uh, temporal data. Um, at 2011, this was London. Lots of places in the middle, um, they the higher the color, it's like a heat map. Um, and these are the new places created uh, between 11 and 14. And if we look at this uh, bottom, right, bottom right part for you, um, there is a part of London that had I mean, an, an overexpected um, or ov- higher than expected growth in a certain area in this period of time. Can you guess what that was? Olympics. That was the Olympics. So lots of new places, new, uh, new things coming in that area. And, and so, um, urban uh, generation, I would say, um, that can be studied. Um, a lot. I, I would like to say a lot more, but um, at this point, I'm gonna leave um, this aspect of urban, urban, study of urban cities through this sort of lens of mobility data, a bit hanging, um, that there's quite a lot that can be studied on how neighborhoods are used, how flows between various places in the cities are, how we can correlate this data, for example, with other aspects, um, such as demographics, index of multiple deprivation. We've tried to to look at these things uh, with sort of very temporally um, granular data that is uh, at at a precision much higher than any sort of census um, data that you can collect only every few years. Now, that was data. Um, collected using location, right? So your, your sensor and your phone that collects location. Um, some of you probably are carrying devices to monitor their activities. Even your phone can already monitor your step, step count and, and your, your activity during the day. And uh, this is often done through a co- sensor closed, uh, called um, accelerometer. And that's a sensor that monitors how much really um, your phone is vibrating And and, and through some analysis of that signal, we get the analytics of the step. We can understand if someone is walking, someone is running. We can even understand if they're on the bus or if they are on a different public transport. There have been studies showing that you you, you can understand all that. You can even, this is one of our study, you can even understand if just by using the accelerometer and the gyroscope. The gyroscope um, is is kind of used to tell how much you're rotating somehow I'm, I'm, I'm really simplifying. But um, if I can tell if some, just by using these two, I can tell if someone is on the same route as yesterday, for example, let's say that yesterday, I went to work at rush hour, you see the red line there, and it took me quite a while to get there, but I was on a specific path with certain curves, um, going up and down certain streets. And today, I was much faster, perhaps I went a different time, there was no rush hour, but my acceleration, and my turning was the same. So the two things could be recognized as the same thing. This has no location data. I just recognized that these two things are the same from just looking at the turns and um, the vibration. So um, there is, there's quite a lot that can be done in the outdoor, looking at how these sensors can um, tell us about our behavior and some of these things I hope this particular one was less uh, less obvious when we go indoor um, what is important indoor is not just the user space the fact that we perhaps are using certain rooms less than others, or we all like to sit in this particular place, but we don't like this other place, or that we interact more with this group and we interact less with these other people. These are all very interesting things um, that uh, tell us a lot about our interaction and our best way of of working, but also best way of uh, being with others. And we we have explored a few other senses, a few other things that can tell us about this. Um, down there, there is a sensor that detects face-to-face interaction and it does so by emitting infrared signal to one another. So one tag recognizes another person that has the same tag and then all of a sudden we have duration and contact and frequency of contacts uh, when we meet in a corridor or something. Um, this, there are things that can be worn on the wrist as well, so we tried what technology, what radios could be used for monitoring this sort of things. And in particular, that is a small group activity where we're trying to understand if the angle of interaction, am I facing you this way? Are you facing me uh, straight ahead? Or are we, are we always standing like this? Is telling us something about our approach to tasks and um, to, to you know, some, some human tasks, such as perhaps I'm trying to, in clinical setting, I'm trying to um, tell something to a patient Well, like, th- there are some attitudes and things that can be studied studied with that, um, and we are collaborating with some colleagues there. So, uh, looking at not just localizing people, but understanding interaction, and this is done together with some psychologists and some sociologists, so we're trying to broaden I'm the technologist, if if you haven't gotten it yet, but we're always trying to understand where the science is on the other side, and trying to see if the technology can help. Um, I was once at a meeting where uh, one of my colleagues from architecture told me um, it was quite frustrated by the technology. Was telling me next time that you're able to tell me that. Um, you are seeing someone that I know is in another room, and there is a a wall between you two, uh, then I'll be happy with the technology. So I was frustrated by the fact that some radio waves, of course, uh, were going across walls. So the technology was reporting these two people were together, but actually there was a wall in between. So technology has very many limits. um, And as long as you are aware, you can somehow try to uh, work with them. Um, I have very few graphs, so you will excuse me one of them here. This is a study again about indoor, Uh, we've done a study with the same group of researchers in two different organizations in an old building and a new building. On both axes, x-axis and y-axis are the people, so every number is a person. And whenever there is uh, a square, so this square here would tell me that uh, participant number nine, I would say. Um, As met quite a lot, because it's very dark, participant number 17 or 16, and the, the groups are organized um, in order, so um, the first people are part of the same subgroup in the organization. So in the old building, um, you can see something that is different to the new building. Just by looking at these two graphs, what do you, what do you think you see? Yes. So people tend to tr- that smallest subset. Maybe I haven't explained it well, but the smallest subset is the group they're in, because these are organized in bulks, in groups. So this is a group. This is a group. This is a group. So there is very little cross-group interaction. Well, in the new building, there is a little bit more. These parts here, are more. And it turns out the building was, the building changed, and um, it was, um, they had new areas for eating, which they didn't have before. They mixed the, f- the groups that were interacting more before across floors. Um, so so we, we have gone into details of this, but um, so this is, this is one of the, the, the thing that is, is I find quite immediate to get to that you might um, have a view on, uh, c- c- could start seeing this quite immediately on, on what this technology can do. And this is just um, about seeing if your tag sees my tag and for how long. So um, this is about interactions of people indoor. Now I'm moving on to um, two or three examples that um, are referring to how this sort of um, this sort of devices, could help the way we not only diagnose, but also um, help intervene or once assess their own um, health, to some extent. I will start with an example on something where that, that we're still very much working on. So, I am, as I said, I'm a technologist, I'm working with uh, some neuroscientists, and this is, um, this is about Alzheimer's. I have been told, um, Alzheimer's disease is, um, uh, on the contrary of what um, was well understood to me, um, that the first thing that kind of goes in Alzheimer's is spatial cognition. So the first thing you don't remember is the fact that you don't quite remember how to get to a certain place, or your, your route to that place is less direct than for other people. So, spatial cognition is related to mobility. So, um, one of the things that I know about Alzheimer's is that um, catching it at early stages might help curing or limiting the progression. While catching it late uh, makes things much more difficult because we don't yet have the drugs to um, improve from that point onwards. So, um, we are trying to um, now, in fact these days, we're rolling out a study where we are collecting traces, traces by meaning um, people's mobility patterns from their device, the device they carry every day. Um, we collect these patterns and we're trying to understand if we indeed see some differences in behavior from big, big numbers. So, um, control studies, so people um, who don't have the disease and people that now have the disease and eventually we'll do a study with people that we don't know if they have the disease and we'll try to um, have a scale. Um, now, that I, I'll get back to this study because as you can see, um, collecting data of this kind um, and I, I haven't gotten into the question that is probably the elephant in the room at the moment which is why are you collecting, this is, this is spooky, this is actually my data while I move, move around town but um, it's quite private, right? It's, it's, it's my data. I don't want you to see it. Okay, today is fine. This particular one is fine, but others I don't want you to see. So how we, how do we obli- ob- obviate? To I really want to do this study. It's very precious. It might help people, but, but this. So c- if you if you can pause that question for another, um, I don't know five ten minutes, then uh, I I might get to some sort of answer that uh, or discussion point. One other thing that uh, we've been conducting is a study on um, with mental health, um, depression and mental health. This is again with psychologists. is um, is a big problem. People don't like to talk about it. People don't like to um, to get um, exposed or to. To go to doctors, it's kind of a stigma to a way. So we think, and, and many other people, this is something that's quite advanced in, in technology, mobile technology at the moment, um, there are lots of apps, there are lots of tools to help and to get advice from or reporting um, automatically from devices. Um, we are trying um, to go beyond that and trying to see if from the behavior we can detect from the devices, we can understand something about the mood of people um, and how they feel throughout their day a study we've done this is just um, a small a small sample of the data we have this is only 150 people and i will explain what this is on the x-axis is the day so this is hours of the day the three groups are three different um, activity groups that actually turn out I, i don't give you the numbers here there are in a paper, that correspond to how, in average, they're reporting being happy in their life um, in in those particular weeks. Weekend and weekdays, the most happy, in fact, active group is the one on the top, and yes, they wake up a bit later, as you can see, their activity, the red means activity of the accelerometer, so this vibration sensor is not even, it's it's not even locations, we don't know if they move. What we know is that they are, their phone maybe in their bags is moving with them (laughs) or they are calling someone because when I call I move (coughs) my hand. So there's some sort of activity, some buzzing around about them um, that can be seen there. Less active group which also correspond to a a, a reasonably, these are aggregate values uh, across big numbers, right? So they're just very, very light indicators that something, you, so, so, some message is there, and this is the less active. We have biases, we have, um, it might not be true for everyone, um, you might not use the phone so this is meaningless for you, there is all that, but the statistics, the numbers are here quite large to say that there is a sort of signal there. The other thing that is, is less obvious um, and is, is, you know, about mental health and, um, and emotions and mood is uh, the fact that it can be detected in other ways. Um, we, um, the accelerometer, the location, um, I have already, perhaps you've seen it a bit in the news, um, you know, you don't move much when you're sad. Yes, there is a correlation that has been, um, been studied. Correlation between how, many, how much you move around and you're going out of the house, um, so location and, and mood and there's a correlation. In fact, the activity as I've just shown you and mood. Um, what about the microphone? On our devices, there is a very spooky sensor that can be turned on and uh, can detect your voice and can, in a sort of, uh, again, very spooky way, understand your emotions. Um, We have done, and others have done some studies, that by detecting the voice from a microphone, in fact, on a phone, this was an Android phone, it is possible to match it to um, models of voicing for various emotions, happiness, sadness, and understand the mood of the speaker, and understand if someone in that particular moment is happy or sad. Um, there is noise because if you do it from a phone, n- might be in the pocket, might be other people outside, but the other thing that can be done is recognizing the speaker. The microphone can be used to recognize if it's actually me uh, speaking in this microphone. Um, if, you, if, you, if you have heard uh, the fact that there are um, this, this tool, Alexa, Amazon, echo in your houses that detect your voice and you can talk to them and, um, and, and this, is, this is just beginning. If I say, hey Siri, this phone probably yeah, did turn up so it recognized my voice and wants to talk to me. Um, so, so, <laughs> so again, another, another very useful, wouldn't it be useful to have this uh, to report how your day has been and if what kind of mood you had today, um, to me only, I don't want this to go anywhere, uh, I, I'm as as worried as you are about what this can, can do and what can be done with it. But as excited, so there are the two sides of the same coin and I, I will hopefully um, get to a point where I'll, I'll, I'll uh, talk about what I think can be done to mitigate all this. It's not an answer, <laughs> but it's the di- direction of answer. This things is not an un- these things are not answers either because they're very, they're still very, primitive to an extent. They're not very precise yet. Uh, the models don't get very precise. It's an indication we can do it, but noise, um, other issues, um, are, you know, they're not perfect yet. In, in the context of emotions and going back to the fact that I said um, that you remember that Star Trek tricorder thing, the fact that you could scan things around. Some of my colleagues, this is not my work, uh, because I don't work with, with, with radio signals much, um, is and I'm trying to, uh, this I'll try to give you a video. How many of you know what the Big Bang theory is? Oh, very good. Okay. So maybe you even watched this episode, but I'll, I'll tell you what this is about and then I'll give you a break by letting you listen to this. Um, so my colleagues at MIT have, and they even demoed this for Obama. They had a way, they have a way uh, by which, by um, letting a device um, emit some radio waves, and that could be from the phone in fact, um, which hit my body, they can recognize the heartbeat, they can recognize if I'm breathing, at what rate I'm breathing, and as a consequence from that, they can recognize my emotions just by using the reflection of the wave on the body. So we can do it with a microphone, but we can do it even with contactless. So my phone there, um, I'm simplifying, there are better devices than the phone that can do it, can emit some radius that bounces on the bodies and can recognize heartbeat. The the useful thing about this is that it it would be really useful, in fact, I think there are applications for babies in a cot. You want to know if your baby has a heartbeat, right? Without any contact, um, you put the device there and then... Um, that that that's record. It's very useful, um, but they've done an emotion uh, recognition um, application, and this went into, and again, um, let me find my mouse. Okay, we'll do it the hard way. Okay, so yes, so that this this was something. Sorry for the pose, but um, this was something that uh, even made it to um, that um, episode. So um, it's not just the sensing; it's uh, that's also sensing. It's using what we know as being the the radio that is already on your devices, the fact that this uh, used to communicate from, um, th- this radio is used from the phone to communicate to your Wi-Fi, for example. So, um, let me look at the time, okay. So, why is that um, we have all these advances in technology and what are the reasons, what are the challenges that um, are being faced by this technology and doesn't quite let us get what we want. Why can't, we do, c- why can't we be happy about these applications, completely happy about these applications? So um, I'll start with the simple ones, the ones that are probably non-controversial. So this is my, a sleep sensor, um, and it's me again, um, because it would be not good to show you data of other people without their consent. So this is my data, and first of all, I look at this and I don't trust it, because I know here I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> So, you have the ground truth sometimes, and y- you start seeing these inaccuracies day after day, and, and, and you start not trusting the technology. First of all, and here, no data collected. Why no data collected? I was there, I was sleeping. Um, what's happening to this? The other thing is okay, sometimes, really, I don't trust the, the sensor because it, it could be many reasons. One is because I, I know that it shouldn't be trusted, it, it quite didn't get the data right. But sometimes, um, we cannot trust it. So, if I tell you, can you, with your eyes, can you distinguish if that person is climbing the stairs or walking? You say, yeah, of course. I mean, that's uh, anyone can do it. It's climbing the stairs, this guy is walking. They're two different things. We can do it really well. Well, a machine sometimes cannot do it very well because there are some corner cases where the two things are very, very similar, and 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 it's it's very hard to distinguish. Most importantly, in, in some cases, if you're trying to do it from data from devices such as these, these have accelerometers, which is what you would detect this from. Quite cheap one, it's getting better, but they're quite cheap. They were you know why your accelerometer is on your phone? Because you, it was supposed to help you understand when you're tilting the phone, um, and, and when when you're holding. It. So this this motion sensors are, are because of these things. And and so um, so so. Some cheap sensors have biases and need calibration and, and don't allow to distinguish some of the activities. We generate an even bigger problems If you're trying to use this technology for health, for important things, we need to solve all of this before anyone, anyone can trust this. One problem you probably, um, y- you must have encountered this. Um, so what I call cloud computation. Cloud computation often means that the default programming mode that these apps, this software has, is that they collect data on your phone and they do most of the computation on the cloud. One typical example I give in my lectures, first lecture I tell them, have you ever tried to play a game, like a Sudoku game on a train, and not being able to do that because your connection is bad? It happens many times. You can't play a game because you don't have connectivity from your phone. And you think, well, this game doesn't need connectivity, I just need to be allowed to, move my finger on this and that's all i need why do i need connectivity for that particular activity because most of the time these applications are assuming this sort of connectivity by default and so they assume it's always there but it's not always there and um it's not always there not just for us but for populations where um we want this technology to be think of health Uh, one thing i haven't said is the technology could enable large-scale, efficient and cheap health, in in most of the cases, and diagnosis, right? But we need to be able to get to places where connectivity is not as good. And um, some aspects of the connectivity are also related to um, costs as well. Uh, My colleague from Google showed this graph uh, some time ago in, in a talk. And this is the level of connectivity for browsing in various countries. Um, I don't want you to do your proportions and graph, but you see there's a lot of blue here. <coughs> blue is bad connectivity, so cellular connectivity. They don't have Wi-Fi. And, and, um, and it, this means that for this was just, just about browsing from your phone, that uh, in India and Indonesia, browsing 50% slower than in the US and Europe. And in Nigeria, is actually double, two times as low. Than, than that. So that means that if we're planning this sort of uh, technology to be comprehensive and to be useful everywhere, this cloud computation model is not a good one. And then I'm getting to something where you all there, you haven't really told, you haven't really said the most important thing, we're here for that. Um, I am not a privacy researcher, but I'm a system researcher, and my aim is to solve some of the challenges that we see here From the system perspective, and I'll give you a little hint in about three minutes. Who has seen this in the news? A good proportion, but not all, so I will explain what this is. Um, So your fitness application, your fitness fitness application, when you run, I run, and I use, uh, I I, I won't tell you which one I use, but I use an application that uploads, Well, that that, um, detects how much I run. How good I am at running, and then it tells me, "Oh, yeah, this was your seventh best run." Oh, that's nice. I, I self-congratulate a lot about that, and 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 then the data goes to is, is usually uploaded to a server. Now Strava is one fitness application. This was in the news. I can't remember if this was uh, Mashable um, well, anyway, this went into. Th- I think this was the BBC one. Um, and what happened is that. Soldiers in a military base. Do you remember where? I don't remember the location. Was it Afghanistan? Sorry? Afghanistan, Afghanistan, right? In Afghanistan, we're running and we're using Strava. They were normal human beings. They were using Strava. The data was uploaded on the servers. The server made the data available and all of a sudden you could see maps of people running near the military base (laughs) in Afghanistan. Right, so quite classified information that no one else had, <laughs> all of a sudden was out there just by default. Anonymize, I don't, I don't want to really, these are things you see in the news quite a, li- a lot. Even if you try to anonymize the data from your phone, um, it's quite easy to de-anonymize because um, because of the, the way we move, we're all very different and we all have uh, very specific characteristics that make sure that if... if if the data says that you're moving this way, and if you have temporal information about it, you're likely to be able to re-engineer, the, the de- de- de-anonymize the data. So what we're having now, and it's not just about location. I gave you two examples of location because it's the blurry, it's, it's the big, big thing that stares in front of us. I like to make this, um, this, this kind of comparison when I talk about health. So privacy breach in mobile health. I think can easily be compared to drug side effect. We want to give this drug, we want to help people being better in their daily life. We want to understand their behavior better. But as a side effect, we have a, a, an incredible privacy breach that we as a community have the, the really the duty of stopping. And um, as I said, luckily we have lots of good privacy colleagues, researchers that are working on it. My stance at this is this, um, and I, I, I will just explain this in, in two minutes, and here comes my second graph after that, and then I will finish. So this is, um, this is the way I see this. So when I started um, working with computers, um, this computer here was less powerful than any of the phones we have in our pockets. Not only that, uh, the phone that we have in our pockets and the devices we can build now can have uh, very low power uh, processor. So, the, the current uh, smartphones, for example, just to give you an example, has the CPU, which is the main computing processor that is on any computer as well, but also has a low power coprocessor that is at the moment used to, um, to monitor motion sensors very efficiently. But it also has a GPU, a graphics unit. Um, computational unit, which is a very powerful, but also a very power-hungry unit that can be used for computation. At the moment, it's very underutilized. Um, And my stance at this is to prove that by using these um, computational units on the device more efficiently, uh, there's a lot that can can be done locally. There's a lot that can be computed on device efficiently without making your battery run out. And the community, the programming units, all these people that are programming apps kind of need to get educated to do this um, because often it's, 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 it's the basic choice going to the cloud and letting the data go into the cloud because there is the computation units that we need is not always the case. Sometimes we want the data um, for statistics purposes, but sometimes We don't want all the data. Why do you need to get my voice out of my phone? Maybe you need some features. Maybe we can negotiate what needs to get out of the phone. And I have lots of colleagues who are working on this negotiation protocol, so what really, can I be in control of deciding what goes out of the phone? Uh, That's not me, that's my colleagues. But here, the ability, think of the Alzheimer project we're trying, if I'm able to detect behavior And I can put a little thing on your phone that detects if your mobility is normal or less normal without getting all the data onto a server, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be better? So these are the aims that I think as a community we need to get to. And I I don't accept the, 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 let's say the the usual stance, we shouldn't be doing this. I think we should be doing this, but we should be doing it as a community with various attempts to do it right um, because, because these are life-changing technologies and they're, not, they're here to stay, uh, but we need to offer alternatives in the way in which um, these are done. This is my last graph which shows, and it's really the last before the end of my presentation, which should be in a minute, um, that shows that... Um, Using a GPU on a phone, which is a very power hungry um, computational unit uh, smartly, is better than using the offloading on any of network um, connection. If you have one megabit, five megabit, 10 megabit, 20 megabits connection, so how much bandwidth we have to upload. Um, We show that actually using the GPU smartly is as efficient as sending the data, this is audio data we were working with, offloading it onto the cloud. So there are possibilities people haven't explored that could be explored. And here I am with uh, the end of my talk. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very happy to take questions. One here. You, where does consent sit within your analysis? Okay, so um, it's a very thorny issue. So for any studies I do, um, there is—I I go through ethics boards and all of that. So the, the, the university is behind all of this, and they're looking at processes. The way in which—if you—if the question—if I might generalize your question, maybe you can ask another part again if I haven't answered. Um, the way in which applications ask you to agree if the data goes back to them, so sensor data, for example, location data, is that they they put a box on your phone. Do you want this app? If you want this app, you need to agree that the location goes back to me. And um, there is consensus on the fact that this is not consent, <laughs> <I know. laughs> and 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 that's exactly the problem here. Um, it's a Speaking, one thing is if you have a direct contact with the user, you're doing a study and so you can talk to them and say, look, I'm getting your location because we're doing this study uh, for Alzheimer's, so I'm talking to you and and we agree that this is a good idea and I'll tell you how I deal with the data, but reading a box on your phone is probably not good enough Um, and sometimes people don't know what this can lead. They don't know that the data can lead to, you know, the Strava. Yeah, it's very difficult. I don't know if you have a view on this. Can, can you get back? Um, I would say that we all really ought to have a clear and unambiguous right, legal right, to, cons- to not consent to anything being monitored if we wish. But it, you do, you can say, no, I don't want this up, right, right now, no, I'm But, par- I'm but, I'm but you, about you would actually have to say, mm? I don't want the phone. Wouldn't I? I'd have to say I don't want the phone because... Oh, I don't want this app. Yes, it's, 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 yes, it's very difficult. Mm. So I think, I think it's, uh, it would be better if we found alternative way of giving you the service you want with those kind of enabled capabilities in a more privacy-preserving way or allow a better way to negotiate um, where the data goes. There are different layers in which you could stop the data going through everyone. They have federation of middle layers, that collect everything and then they distribute whatever is needed. People have, have started to come up with potentially good alternatives. No, not me, I'm just saying generally community. There's one there, I don't know if you can reach them. I can repeat the question, well, yeah. Yeah, I want to ask, do you think it will help your field if uh, more companies will publish their (laughs) terms and conditions in plain English? (laughs) Um, I'm not a, um, I I guess this question is a meta question. Uh, It probably wouldn't help me directly. uh, And I think, I'm not sure it would help people to understand really what that can be done with the data. I, I think you can write in plain English. I'm collecting your accelerometer data or I'm collecting location data. the question is what I I should list all the million things I can do for you to understand the best way is educating people Um, and I think I mean depends what you mean by honesty because if I tell you yes I'm collecting accelerometer data you're not very worried probably right but then I show you what I can do with accelerometer data then you get more worried Um, or I'm saying yeah well Maybe a bit of both, certainly. Oh, I saw one here, but the, did I see one there as well, just to make sure I'm not, um, but let's try this first. Then. No, but maybe, I wasn't sure, maybe I didn't see one. So Go ahead. Okay, let's try first, then, he said he's happy to No, 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 I, I, there was one there. Hello, you gave a list of the, sort of the, f- the top ten um, t- piece of technology on the mobile phone. What do you think is going to be the, the next wave ahead of collecting data from your phone, the next sensor that's going to come in to uh, be very common in usage? <laughs> that's, uh, you know, you know when, peop- when scientists predict they're usually wrong, um, Hundred percent of the time, but I think the, the the contactless activity we'll see more and more of the the, the big bang theory kind of thing where you have um, devices out there that will produce radio that will contactlessly tell about you will be more and more and certainly we 'll see more of uh, microphone analytics because it 's uh, audio analytics in general it 's not just about voice. But it could be uh, about recognition of environment, recognition of uh, how many people you are in. Um, so that, that's that's already quite out there, um, I would say. But the, the next is probably using more of this radio stuff because it, it's convenient, right? You <coughs> don't have to hold it. It's actually very scary. You don't have to hold anything and all of a sudden you're monitored. Uh, <laughs> There's still What is the difference between like CPU and GPU? Right? The CPU is the normal computational unit. The GPU is generally used for graphics computation, so it's more processing efficient. It's more parallel. it's used to process images generally. Uh, but you, although you didn't mention about the transforming of like a banking system, but uh, because of the smartphone, like. Or uh, smartphone like payment system like the Recharge Pay and Kak like Ali Pay and Apple Pay, or mm. mm, uh, it it can or uh, makes the influence the banking system. It, uh, uh, I mean, it can give more data about the users' financial activities. That's for sure. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, um, the banking system I think is probing being affected more by cryptocurrencies at the moment than it is by this sort tecno- technology which is already gone online. Uh, what do you mean by, by being affected? Um, you, pr- you... I'm not sure you would even have more data because they already have your card transaction data and this would be quite similar. You're paying from your phone before you were paying from a card. So. Um, they might get more data about you from the fact that you have an app um, on your phone and already... Um, Banks already have an app on your phone and that might collect other data about you. So, in that sense, maybe. Um, but the payment, I'm not sure it's adding more. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't thought enough. It's just the first time. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about wearables, but what about implants and <laughs> things like that? Do you think that might be the next? Well, definitely. Cycle I mean, my. There are lots of biology colleagues, and hopefully there'll be some talking at the um, so the technology the, the getting things under the skin, getting things into your in your body um, yes it's happening as well um, digestible non digestible implantable uh, but the the issues i think the what is not changing is the things that somehow are happening when you're having this sort of thing. So we're not really changing much the paradigm somehow. St- you still have this sort of data about you. Be yes, maybe different data. Y- you know your um, red blood cell level, maybe. Uh, but it still, still, still is a device on you that tells something about you. Um, so I think the problems are still there. The challenges are, th- are also still there. And the accuracy challenges are also still there. Um, I guess you might have, a co- computational challenges might also, depending on how many other devices you have that communicate with those internal ones, um, also you, you might have all the radio challenges, communication challenges as well. Um, you might have a multitude of other things that can be monitored, so you are increasing that, definitely. Uh, two there. Maybe it's better to reach them from there. Um, You mentioned, obviously, when you had the sleep one where it said it had no data. Um, We recently bought a really rubbish uh, watch that says I do thousands of steps. Isn't it quite frustrating that the data that we're gathering at the moment is probably inaccurate because of the quality of the reading? It's probably not just the quality of the reading. It's also the inference that can be done on the noise. I think uh, the data is missing is because maybe this thing shifts um, so it's not precise in, in the way there's quite little that can be done apart from making it really um, very specific to me so um, colleagues in Google in particular are looking at fabric as a, as a possibility of you know having if I had a glove <laughs> maybe that might not happen um, and the precision uh, hardware is becoming more and more precise, so um, aspects related to how precise the recognition of that might be. But wi- as, as I say, I'm the first to say we're not there. Mm. Um, I just think, I don't think they should be it's able to Frustrating sell people. Yeah, they shouldn't sell the product if it doesn't actually, there's so much vast difference. My, uh, my daughter, um, I gave her my Fitbit, and she kept it for three days, and then I'm bored. <laughs> Th- there's uh, bored, probably not surprised, um, no interest in getting more data of the same kind. Uh, All of this needs to be looked at. Um, And and if people are frustrated in that, then then businesses will stop producing those devices because they won't be bought. Um, So, (laughs) um, you know, that's a a big issue. I completely agree. Hello, Uh, thanks very much for your talk. I just wondered if you could give a little more information on the Alzheimer's study. So I was just wondering, is it? that you're watching one person across a long period of time and watching how their routes sort of change. Are you watching multiple people doing like set routes and see how they're approaching it or how does it work? So we're trying to, so the idea here is to watch people in the natural environment as much as possible uh, to understand if behavior in early stages of um, Alzheimer's is indeed different. So if we have the data to prove that this is different. And uh, once that's done, then, then the holy grade would be, can we recognize those initial wrong behavior early enough? How early can we get this from the mobility of an individual? Um, so it's about kind of um, looking at people who are already diagnosed and seeing what kind of traits they have and hopefully applying that more early on. Well, we're trying to see—is it—is it true that they behave differently right, in their yeah. mobility okay. initially? That's right. True. Thanks. Yes. I've been told I need to stop taking questions, and uh, I thank you again for being here on a Monday night. Thank you very much.